All right, welcome everyone to another episode of Behind the Human. I'm your host, Mark Champagne. It's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. We've got a real treat today. We've got Adam Adam Higgins on the show, head coach and head or high performance director for Canada Skateboard, and who also previously spent 12 years at Canada Snowboard in similar roles. So there's definitely going to be no shortage of, of topics where we're going to vibe quite well to uh, together on, on the topic of, of making sure our minds are thriving and athletes are thriving and just humans in general. Who are you? Who am I? That's a great <laughs> one. Uh, I'm a, I'm a father. I'm a, I'm a brother. I'm a son. I'm a, I'm a, uh, a mountain loving skateboarder and snowboarder. I think I'm a, I, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an adventurer as well. I think those are uh, a I was going to say that. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm very curious and I like to, uh, I like to find new things out and like, I like discovering what's new. And I think, um, as a lot of people who do spend time with me know, I'm, uh, I'm a forever, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a one of those lost, not necessarily lost boy, but, uh, the Peter Pan syndrome, you know, we never really grow up. We always, we're always pretending to figure out how to stay as young as we can. So. Well, isn't that I that's, mean, isn't that's part that, of me? I think. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, we all we all reach that I think realization at different phases of, of life, and and some never do. But a lot of the work that I do is almost kind of trying to get us back to our childhood, like curiosity, and be able to play and just like just lighten the you know the pressure a little bit. So that's incredible. Where where did that sense? Because um, I you know just for people listening. Um, Adam, currently you're you're out in the west coast of Canada, probably the biggest playground of all for for at least Canadians. Um, I'm on the east coast, not too far from where you grew up. Where uh, living near, it's it's hard to call it a mountain when I know what you're surrounded by, but <laughs> living near Blue Mountain, the the hump that we have over here to play. But for you growing up on the east coast, you know what was what did that look like? What was that sense of adventure for you? Yeah, we, um, well, I grew up, I grew up northern, a couple hours north of Toronto and Perry Sound. So we were, yeah. you know, we were kids. We had, uh, we grew up in an old farmhouse basically and we had a lot of space. We had woods on the one side, uh, big hill that went up the back and then we ended at a lake. So, you know, we could, you know, we were able to explore whatever we could figure out, you know, we canoe on the little water and old, 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 uh, um, what do you call those list things? A hey, wind sail board or like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. before there was paddle boards, we were standing up on wind sail boards, you know, we're rolling roaming around the lake until we were able to get motorized and get some boats. So, um, you know, it was always exploring. It was, a, you know, we got into canoe trips, um, as a youngster going out to camp and doing big canoe trips, exploring the wilderness around there. And, um, there was so much, there was so much around there, which was really cool. And then I, uh, we got into skiing, um, my dad skied. And uh, took us on small ski trips, so we would ski around or cross country ski because that's all there was where we were. And then found out about downhill, and that was pretty fun. And then we got introduced to snowboarding, and just never turned back to skiing. Skiing was just something that was that was not for us. We were, yeah, we were, uh, we just wanted to snowboard. And my brothers, my friends, and I just like hiking around. Something you couldn't do on skis, you know, you didn't put your ski boots on and like walk around in the woods see if you could find a hill <laughs> or like a new spot for a jump. But we did that, you know, and that was. That was part of part of growing up where we were. Yeah. Well, and those are the early days of snowboarding too, right? It's pretty kind of snowboarding. I mean, ironically, um, 
probably similar to like some of the stuff you've gone through with skateboarding. Maybe not that early, but just not a lot of people were doing it. It's kind of on the fringe, you know? Yeah, there was a group in our town. There was an older group of guys that, that had snowboards in our town. There were probably, you know, a handful of them. And then we were the kind of the second wave of it. And one of my friends had cousins who lived over in Owen Sound and they were they were skating and snowboarding. And he kind of came out with a skateboard one day or some other buddy came back from Victoria and he was now skateboarding. And, you know, it was just something that we we wanted to do. We wanted, we were a little bit different. I mean, my town was focused on hockey, 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 hockey. And I played some yeah. hockey, but it wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted to do forever. And I, I found this other passion of, of like, you versus the board or you versus whatever was going on to get better. That's what we did. We just always wanted to constantly improve and get better. And hockey didn't seem the same path being told how to do it, told what to do the whole time versus just mm. going out and building a jump and seeing what you could do. Is this jump going to work? Is it not going to work? Is this like, is this rail going to fall over? Or are we going to be able to slide on it, you know? <laughs> and then taking that to the ski hill and we would get the chance to go up the mountain and you know, see what was going on outside of, uh, outside of our little backyard. That's so awesome. So how did all that translate? Like, did you just know that you had to work in this field or, you know, was there, were there some kind of key pivotal moments during that journey? Yeah, there really was. I mean, I, I, I grew up watching the whiskey videos and, uh, you know, Shorty's young Brad Walsh was like one of my first and favorites. And then, um, I had this vision of what, what was out there. Whistler, Vancouver was like always there. Um, and I had, you know, I'm going to go as soon as I finished high school. I was like, kind of got talked out of that idea and got talked into going to university, which, you know, was probably the smart play, but at the time was kind of a, it was a yeah. tough one. Ended up, ended up North up in Thunder Bay. Uh, and I studied, I studied human movement and I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I was just like, unsure at all. And then, there was a small ski hill that we all, we worked at. And, um, uh, one day some guy, some, who was a snowboard coach came into town and was running a course and I took it and I was like, Oh, this exists. Like you could do this. And he's like, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. And it's kind of opened my mind to what else was happening. I mean, that was, you know, it, it, before the second Olympics that snowboarding was in. So before it was after Nagano, but as the whole scene was building and sort of like building out what was a competitive snowboarder and what what existed there was those tours you know that um the snowboard cross tour was happening i guess they didn't call it was border cross back then still the swatch tour and like oh yeah you'd have those you'd have those those cool quarter pipe quarter pipe contests that were popping up all over the place and like there was a handful of people that were they were doing this thing and i got i just started to learn about it and started to focus my my schooling on coaching and finding out where I could go and ended up, ended up in Alberta, Lake Louise and another course mm. and figuring out what was happening there. And Calgary was a pretty big hub at the time. It still is for competitive snowboarding. Um, it was all centered around half pipe and I loved half pipe. Half pipe was like, you know, you just go to the pipe and hike it. That's what we did. It's, you know, whenever we'd go to the hill, we didn't want to ride the lift. We just hiked the pipe. And so I kind of, I got drawn to that and then you know, started coaching in Calgary and learning more about what this world was. Um, and then traveling to places like Mammoth and Colorado and Whistler and seeing what else was happening outside of Canada and then really getting pulled to the West Coast, really getting pulled to yeah. Whistler and Whistler being, you know, it was always that place where my snowboard dreams were made. Mm -hmm. And, but like Calgary was cool, but it was just this, 
it wasn't for me. I mean, the, 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 the Rocky mountains of Banff are incredible, amazing, but the, what's missing for me was the trees, the rivers, the water, which British Columbia has. And you get yeah. the Whistler and the, some of the biggest trees you've ever seen and riding through those trees. It just sets me, just put me home. I yeah. just was like, this is where I have to be. And ended up getting a job coaching and out of Whistler with the BC provincialist team. And then, yeah, ended up working with the national program after that. So fun little journey I, yeah. through it all. <laughs> well, you can't, I mean, so I haven't snowboarded out West yet, but I'm a pretty big mountain biker and, and we've yeah. been out there a few times and it's like, you can't un, unfeel or unsee those, those mountains. And to your point, yeah. like a, riding above the tree line and the smell of the, like the Alpine, it's just, <laughs> there's not much that, you know, rivals that experience and it's hard to describe yeah. how magical it is. Definitely not. I, I realized something too. I was just in the, we, well, maybe we'll talk about it a little later on, but I was just in Switzerland last week and I, I went, I spent uh, three months there when I was 16 years old. It was my first experience being put in the mountains, real mountains. And yeah. I, I was, I was in the same region where I was and I just like being surrounded by these peaks that really inspired me as a kid and that to me like being there now realizing that's kind of what kicked it off like i needed to live in the mouth like i yeah. needed to be surrounded by these things you know they are just rocks they are just trees but there's something about them oh yeah no doubt they um they're a healer in many ways you know it's hard to uh no matter what you're going through you can get yourself out into those mountains or, or nature in general i mean it's pretty powerful what can happen yeah so what is, so you started, you started off as a coach for individual snowboarders. Like what was, like, what does that look like? What, what, what is a day in a life of, of that kind of a job? So, yeah, I think at the beginning we were inventing what it was. So we sure. were, there was a few, there was a hand, no, it's true. There was a yeah. handful of, there's a handful of coaches and there was a handful, you know, there were snowboard instructors and everybody knew what a snowboard instructor was. You were. You taught lessons to to tourists or school kids or people learning how to snowboard, right? That's what you did. You did an hour, yeah. two hour lesson, and and then you'd go get your next group. But what we were, what we were seeing and what I was working to work building was, you know, a group taking a group and you're consistently working with them. So and you're like trying to help them get better at whatever they're doing. So like, what are what are the you know again? You just look at what their goals are, what and what what's missing, and how can you help them get to get to that next level? So. So we're coaching at the time was, you know, we were pioneering it. We were, you know, we were, we were guys that grew up watching the whiskey videos too. Right. So there was a little bit of another edge. We were another way to try to figure out how we were going to snowboard for the rest of our lives. So we were doing these things so we could get to the mountains and could go on these trips. And, you know, there's the, always the elements of business where you're working with the kids, but that other side of fun where you're, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's contest canceled because it's snowed too much, you're not, sitting inside or like going to the gym, you're riding pow with the crew. You're showing yeah, yeah. them about why, why you love what you're doing and like exploring these new areas. But I think, you know, you, you could look at it, you know, you looked at it as a whole season and being able to approach, approach it differently where you're using the fall to build, to build up, to be ready for winter when winter gets there and then the winter's here working on these little tricks you're going to do going through the contest season, perfecting them. And then it's springtime and like you get to learn new stuff and really work on what's next and like now summer would come and we used to end it there and then it was like okay well what else could we do and i started running some snowboard camps up on whistler and you know hanging out with the camp of champs groups and 
taking what they were doing, which was, you know, just come, come out to camp, have fun to, well, what else can we do here? Like this, there's new jumps, there's new experiences. And like, again, usually that same, same system of like, what do you want? What do you want to get out of this? Like, and then like doing some focus work on it and then while having fun at the same time and learning something. So how much of that is, you know, when you, I, I like the language around you using the natural seasons to kind of block things uh, or set up some themes and whatnot. But how much mm-hmm. of that is around the mind and mindset or mental fitness, like I call it and so forth? Yeah, I mean, in the early days, we didn't know much. You know, I guess, you know, we were exposed to, to certain practices, especially when I was the BT, BC team, we had some access to some great professionals and they were like taking us on some meditation journeys and some you know before mindfulness was like the big thing but yeah i think you know when when you're working with youth they under they kind of have that understanding and that ability to be where they need to be and then what we would what as a coach can do is help them if they lose that track if they lose their their focus or their belief in what they're doing or that understanding you can help bring them back yeah bring them back to it yeah um and you know, we didn't have, we, there was a few practices that we would work on. We worked a lot on visualization back then. We worked a lot on with video, you know, cameras weren't something that you, you didn't have a $2,000 camera in your pocket at all times yeah. back then. You know, they were, sometimes we could, or we were in a backpack, but we would, you know, you would film some stuff and then you would show them and then they'd be able to take it home and look at it differently and like use their mind to understand what they're doing or like yeah. trying to paint the picture with them on how, how they can correct what they're doing. Um, so as, you know, from what the way we would do it when we were, when we were help building and creating the coaching program and help designing what, what these coaches could be doing now when it comes to snowboard, technical snowboarding, um, that evolves more as the athlete gets more advanced. So you're always working yeah. at the beginning. They're working at the beginning with the technical stuff, like learning how to move it or work their bodies or like educating them. And then the mind's always there, but it's it doesn't become that, x factor mm-hmm. until you're like at the top and that's the big thing at the top is like they're so good at everything they'll sometimes that last piece of the puzzle they just need to be expert at turning it off turning off the brain and being able to execute exactly what you need well and, that's um, the part that is is so fascinating to me because and i get it i get it it's just knowing I guess knowing what we know now and, and with the mind and whatnot, it's like everything starts and stops with the mind. I mean, you're, you're, and you see it in so many different, you know, sports and whatnot. You can see when, when someone's mind's unraveling, you know, right in front mm-hmm. of you and like, oh, you know, like that, that's the thing. Like they could be so, you know, technically skilled in the, in the movements and like just knowing where to be and so forth. Um, but soon as you lose, like something throws your mind off, it's like, it's, it's almost game over. Right. And okay. I remember I was asking, I had interviewed, um, one of the sports psychologists for the Raptors. And I was like, what, how, or no, we were at a game together. Actually. I'm like, how, how is there not like five of you sitting behind the bench right now? Like you can see what, and, and this shocked me and, I, and I'm curious to see if you experienced this and how you've, you've, you know, had these conversations, but he said, He's, he's like, I have to let them come to me. And, and that, you know, on that level too, they're, you know, these are young kids making millions of dollars that kind of, there's some, probably some ego there as well. Like, I don't need help or I've got this, I've gotten this far, you know, I don't need a sports psychologist or someone like that. 
But I almost want to just go up and be like, really? Like, can we just talk like, factually on this? Like, you know, it's your mind that's going to throw you off here. We've here are all the examples. Like, we've seen this. Like, let's just deal with it and, and go for it. How do, how do you have those? How do you have those kind of conversations with the with the athletes you're working with, knowing you know because you've got that you know that that additional wisdom or that experience? It's, I mean, it's a t- it's tricky, and he he is right about a lot of it. Like you know, one of the philosophies we used to talk about it's like when you're you're you got to be ready, willing, and able, right? So yeah. you know, maybe the coach is ready, maybe the program's ready, um, but is the athlete, you know, yeah. and like. So once once they get to a point where they're ready to expand themselves into it, then you're like, okay, now are we able to do it? Or yeah, are we ready to do point. it, right? So like, and then like, and then it's taking the next step and going together. So sometimes there has to be, well, let me, let me just go back again to the way I, we've tried or what we've done it is like, I, I've, I've recently transitioned to working with skateboard athletes. And mm-hmm. in the last five years, we've been building the, the national skateboard team from incredible and talented professional skateboarders and up and coming skaters in Canada, trying to take them and help them on the world stage a little bit. Um, and the way, the way I've, we've gone about it with other coach that I work with named Sean Hayes is like, we need to develop this trust. So yeah. they have to, you have, that's the first level is like developing that, that level of, of respect and trust. So then you can talk to them about these things. They can talk to you about these things and you can move it on. And like, it's kind of that first layer of yeah. all of it is understanding and building that. So then you can start to work together so they can actually be open enough to talk about what's really going on with them. And you can try to help them with that. Mm-hmm. Cause like you can, I can witness that I can, you know, I, I talk about it sometimes. I love, there's a, one athlete on our program. and I love it when I've, I've seen him under stress now, like, and like the first few times we go to competitions and the first two times we're traveling, he's, he just looks so chill and cool out there. Nothing's bothering him. He's just, he's just doing his thing. He just looks great doing it. And it doesn't matter if he does well or not. But now, and then I saw him again and he's like, you know, hometown hero, he needs to win this to prove it. And I see this different level in him. This oh, fire. Wow. Like, I really like seeing that. And then now yeah. I've started to see it on the international level. And it's this great, I just really enjoy seeing it because it's, you know, and like how they handle that stress. Do they, can they turn it to the right, right amount or can yeah. they, do they fold under it? And it's, it's always that level of like when they're ready to, to be able to take it and can they deal with it? And then where does it go? Um, and it's, yeah, I think it's a, sorry, I'm rambling a little bit, but it's, that, no, this it, is good. It's, it's a unique, it's a unique approach with every different athlete that you have to, you have to go. And like, like, like that coach, the Raptor says, it's, they do have to be ready and come to you. So yeah. we got to build that, you know, our approach is build that trust, build that confidence that if they come to you with this, then you're, you know, you're not going to go somewhere else with it. You're going to keep it within, within the, the mind trust of the, the, of the organization and yeah, and move it forward. So, yeah, it's almost like you got, you need to get the like quick wins up front and like probably, a, you know, somewhat related to like the skills and the whatnot that it, it's just it's it's like that stuff's like almost clockwork. It's like, I know you can, we can dial in this, this and that. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, you ready for, I've noticed this coming up. Yeah. Like we can work on, we can work on that, that mindset. Totally. Totally. And, but going back to the other side of it is like, you know, strong coaches, strong leaders will help build these skills in young athletes as they grow. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's not a, it's not, 
out of like over complicated or like we're doing mental performance now. Like, yeah. you know, we're just like slowly integrating these skills into them. Like, you know, where's your head at? Like, you, you seem to be off today. Like, uh, this and that. Okay. Okay. Well, let's come back. We're here right now. Let's do this trick. And then, you know, yeah. letting them explore that and like giving them the little skills along the way. Um, and I mean, as we've grown, as we've grown more, as the sports systems expanded and like evolved within these action sports, more professionals are coming in and we kind of give it to them. Um, yeah. One cool thing that we used to do or we did when the the athletes weren't ready to, or the snowboarders, or let's call them whatever, um, when they weren't ready to talk to those professionals, we were getting information from the professionals and skills for us that we could help elevate that okay. um, and help help bring to them. And it's, you know, always comes back to these little these little tricks and trade tricks of the trade that you can apply to them in the right moments. Yeah. So what are the some what are some of the things that work in the highest pressure situations? I'm thinking, you know, big competitions or you know whatever it is in, in that sense. But then also like on the daily, you know, when you're not, you know, behind uh, the camera or there's there's no huge stakes attached, but just probably more so real life of just growing and getting better and being consistent and whatnot. Like what are some of your uh, your practices and rituals or tools and whatnot that you try to get out there? Um, for me personally, like I think uh, when I, 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 yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I, had a I had some issues when I was growing up. I through a little bit of trauma. I lost a I lost of my sister, and I kind of mm. was going down a rough path. And some, you know, uh, my 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 wife kind of helped pull me out of it, and like really straightened me out. And like, what are you, you know, helping me think about it? And like, just being honest with myself and finding that finding that what was important to me, um, and setting setting some values for me. What's important to me to help guide me. Yeah. Um, and working, you know, another mentor that we've, we've talked about, he's like that feeling of anxiety is just when you're not, when your actions don't match your values. And yeah. like, when you get into that space, when I get into there, it's like, okay, that's when I really need a big reset and things that have helped me when I need to, it's being in the woods, um, being shrouded by the trees. What's really helped me lately, or I live near a river, mm. so running water really helps get rid of stuff for me oh yeah you're flushing it out you know it's just uh, it's yeah. just going it's just gone and the sitting yeah. beside a river sitting beside a river for me really helps quiet quiet the mouth and then let it go um again these are newer these are newer things that i've been working on or when i get to an over the top level um but small small breathing techniques some i used to not be able to sleep very well and then just counting backwards from 10 i'll concentrate on these breaths and these numbers and all of a sudden I'm asleep. So that's really helpful. And, yeah. um, but yeah, typically for me, it's avoiding, avoiding some of my vices and using things in moderation and remembering to sure. Remembering to be true to what I, who I am and what, what makes the people around me, um, keep them, keep them in the right, in the right space. So they're happy with me and I'm happy with myself. If that makes any sense. No, it makes perfect sense. I mean, kind of the the, the follow up question to that is: it, Have you found ways to transfer this over to you know younger athletes? Is what I'm hearing is is spending some time in reflection in some capacity to you know to understand you know what you really want and what your values are and so forth. Those are bigger questions, of course. 
but you yeah. have to have that level of of insight because then the next phase is is having some sort of built-in check-in you know practices or rituals or and that's different for everyone but you know just to tune into oh yeah i am feeling a bit off you know i'm not i'm and so forth so how, how does that how does that show up with some of these athletes or how do you try to get um, to show up with them for sure absolutely again and this is another another practice that that uh, I'll, I'll credit a couple of the guys from the national silver team part of their what they the, you know they they commented as being the duck and that was the staff motto uh this this i'm imaging myself here this is going back a number of a while i don't know if that's still something they talk about but when you look at what a, a duck on the water it's floating on the water and there's it just looks like it's sitting there doing nothing yeah but underneath there's tons of hydrodynamics everything the legs are moving it's like a hollow bones it's floating right yeah yeah and it, if you can have that sense of calm and chill what everything around you is going mental other people can feel calm and that's that's something that i've really always tried to do is like in the toughest situations when you're high stress when the wet the visibility is this the contest is supposed to run is going to happen where are we we lost our bags or everything's going out of the way okay what you know stay calm what can we control? And like the yeah. biggest method that, you know, going further from that is like giving it to this, the athletes or giving it to someone that we're trying to help is what, are, you know, they're, oh, the judging is this, oh, the weather is this, oh, my boards are this, oh, blah. It's like, okay, well, like, what can we control now? You know, your board yeah. is shit, get a new board, okay? Then we can focus on that. Oh, my shoelaces are ripped tight, but here's some new shoelaces. Like, doesn't matter. Forget about those things and focus on what you can control. You can control your performance. You can control what you're thinking about. You can control what you're doing off your board and on your board. Let's worry about that. Let's not worry about this other crap because there's nothing we can do about it. And that was, that's one easy one, not not easy, but that was one of the methods that we really try to put forward to, uh, to people as like, if things are happening or bringing it back to that. Well, and I like that idea. I mean, of course, I love the idea around, you know, focusing on what you can control, which applies to basically all things in life, um, you know, which is <laughs> super practical. But uh, the other thing I, I really like is almost you're like a proxy to uh, like neutralizing, let's just say a chaotic external environment, but you're coming in with because you can control, you know, through your own practices and whatnot, you can control the internal energy that is around the athlete and just the ripple effect of that. Like we all know when we're around someone that's super frantic and whatnot, like everyone all of a sudden picks up on that energy. And that's, again, I, I always try to think of the applicability, you know, just outside that's a very specific environment, but you can do that in many environments. If, you know, your work colleagues or, you know, high stress meetings or whatever it is, like being that, that calming energy um, and being known for that uh, is pretty cool as well. <laughs> Not to mention you get to experience the benefits, right? Yeah, absolutely. You can, you know, being around someone who's, who doesn't get flustered, who doesn't get, doesn't get pushed off by it i think it's a super helpful thing and like some of the people that i was able to be around as i was coming up they were or they were very, very much like that and yeah. uh you know helping helping find these ways to to keep yourself calm or like let not letting the little things get to you and like you know coming home sometimes you explode at home with the kids or i'm reacting poorly this week because i'm a little tired of being coming back and i gotta go away again and like just really trying not to let that happen 
Um, and being that person that I can be on the road at home, that's been, that's my challenge. And that's my, uh, that's yeah. my next, that's my big thing in life. Yeah. Being able to like be that guy for my kids and be that, be that person. So that doesn't, um, doesn't affect their lives and we can, we can all be good. At home. <laughs> yeah. Well, Hey, I, I, again, I resonate with that. And even I'm leaving you this question, but I'm leaving this question for me equally, uh, as important. And I, you know, I wonder if it's in those moments because there are the thing with the kids is they, <laughs> they're like superstars and magicians around being able to turn the exact knobs that will just fire you up as parents. Right. They're like masters at oh, yeah. that. And it, the question that, this is not a question for you, but a question that I, maybe for us to ask ourselves in those moments is, is like, how would I show up for, for, in your case, how would I show up for one of my athletes in this situation? And, and right. myself included, how would I show up for a team or a client uh, as opposed to the dad, you know, in, in this situation? And maybe that just it, gives us enough of a pause <laughs> to not go down the you know, the, the energy and speaking of energy, I mean, there, that's a perfect example of, of, of how, you know, kids are so good at picking up, uh, or feeding off of the energy and the environment that we set. So yeah, I never really thought about it from that perspective of, so thank you for, you know, try that out over here. As I was mentioning, you know, seven-year-old over here, that is, is testing new grounds. <laughs> totally. My wife presented it to me the other day. She's like, I was just like, oh yeah, I'm not reacting very well. She's like, yeah, well, like what would she do? Like, you know, you, would you say, listen to me to your yeah. skaters? Like, would <laughs> yeah. you say that? I'm like, no, I probably wouldn't. So yeah. It might, it might not work with the nine-year-old. Yeah, exactly. Well, so uh, speaking of skateboarding though, what I, one question I did want to ask you, cause you were on the snowboard scene for about 12 years. What, uh, what sparked the change? Um, yeah, internally there was some, there was some big stuff happening with, uh, with where I was or where I felt I was with the, within, with that Canada snowboard. I think there was, you know, we came, they came, the, I was in charge of the next kind of that building a next gen program, building like okay. that next wave of, of, uh, of coaches and athletes and programs and like what was going to help get them to excel at the Olympics that we just had. That was my job. Um, and I was, I just felt that there was some of the, some of the things that were happening in the, in the areas I wasn't, it wasn't going in the same direction that I was thinking it should, mm. or we were going to. And I was like, it just, it just happens sometimes, you know, the, the, where it was. Yeah, time I, I got invited to, yeah. And I got invited to do, um, a little presentation on what, what high performance skateboarding could be. And like, I don't really like that, you know, thinking about it that way or, but what, what, like, what you could do or what could be done at this level. And I just did a presentation to what was, who was the, the board, the directors who were building out what Scandinavian skateboard was going to become. So just as it was going in, you know, about to be announced for the first Olympics, um, explaining these, these, these ideas or like what it could work. And, um, you know, a couple of years later, or a year later, I just get this phone call. I was like, Hey, would you, would you want to do this? Um, Ben Stoddard, he was the president for Canada skateboard doing a lot of work back then um and really hands-on with this passion project of like what how canada could represent skateboarding on the international stage and the national level and he just he trusted me with with bringing some of that in and helping build the first national team and an opportunity to have a blank page and like approach this canadian sports system differently and approach the landscape of of like a national team and yeah. what 
what is high performance skateboarding or what is, how do we, how do we bring that? It was just an opportunity that I couldn't, I, I had to take. Um, so yeah, I left, I left a fairly, you know, great, a great opportunity, a great job that I had at Canada Snowboard and went, went on this other, on this other adventure. And, um, and it was, it was completely, incredibly rewarding and just like getting the opportunity to work with these, these athletes. I mean, skateboarding, skateboarding has been part of competition forever. Like the skate, the skaters are incredible athletes. And it's one thing that people look at and they don't think about it like that. But like you look at what can be what they do with an eight inch wide piece of wood and jumping down a 12 stair and landing on a handrail. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's so incredible. Wild. And like the, the, the balance, the power, the, the, like, it's so, it's so incredible. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a great skateboarder. Skateboarding for me has always just been, uh, it's, it's recreation. It's fun. Like it's been a, it's a passion. Like I skated a bunch when I was a kid, I was young, put it away. Cause it's like, you know, and just like the next step was hurting too much. So I got into yeah. other things and focused more on my snowboarding. And then, then my skateboard came back again. And like other people in my life, we started when I was telling you about those summer camps we used to run. So we would, we'd snowboard all day and then we'd go and spend the evening skating the whistle bowl. And, you know, that bowl back then was just that snake run. So we would just snake, skate snake run and like teach kids how to carve and how to turn and use their board differently. And it would translate to how much better they could be on their skateboard at the time. And then like skateboarding just became this such a great thing that I could balance out my snowboarding. And um, so without, with my, without my lack of like technical ability on a skateboard, going into this world where these guys are such pros, so I mean, incredible at it. It's like, okay, what else can I bring them to the table? So what, you know, I understood sports, I understand the sports system. So my knowledge of how to navigate that and the politics of that world combined with my, as they'd say, I can still speak skateboarder, you know, I can, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and straddle, I can straddle both worlds. I can, I can bro it up a little bit if I need to, and I can bro it right down if I have to as well. So, um, I, yeah, I just, I had this opportunity and I, 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 I stuck with it and the skaters awesome. accepted me and, um, the, the, the group accepted me because they're always, I mean, one thing I learned about skateboarders more so than the snowboarders and the scene and the snowboarding was like how, how receptive they are to, and how open they are to new, new things and new ideas and new people. Um, and I brought it up before or with some of them and they're like, man, yeah, skaters, if you can hang, you can hang. And that's it. It doesn't matter who you are or what you have or what you can do. If you can hang, you can hang. And that's, that's kind of what it was. And I was uh, lucky enough to be accepted into, the, into there, basically being able to hang. And um, it's been it's been great since. And we're you know really pushing what we can do as a program, uh, and really working hard to 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 take it to the next step and be be up there and wreck, you know, demonstrate to the world how great these guys, how great these men and women are on their skateboard. Yeah. Well, what do you need? What 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 would take that program to the next level? Um, right now we're in this kind of this holding pattern within the sports system. So there's sports system funding is a unique, unique thing in Canada where there's only so much money. There's only so much tech dollars, the tax dollars that get spent to sports, skateboarding and climbing and, um, and, and BMX freestyle. We all came into this world now where in order for us to get more money, it has to come away from somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so where we've been constantly waiting and for the government to update the funding framework so we can get a bigger piece of the pie than we have. And right now we've been given, you know, enough cash to, to have so a couple of people have jobs and we can, you know, get a hire a coach now and we can travel with the team to, to uh, support them on the road and, and run a couple of training camps throughout the, the year. But 
what we're finding now is that we're starting to, you know, the team is ready for more. The team mm-hmm. is looking for more and more opportunities and more time together. And we're just limited in what we can do just strictly because of capacity and, and read, I'll say at cash. Um, yeah. So we, you know, we're Canada is one of those places where it snows and rains for majority of the year. You know, maybe that's changing. It's been sunny and awesome in British Columbia since March. But, <laughs> um, you know, what that means is we don't, we need indoor skate parks, you know, and at the top level, private, a private indoor skate park is what's really required to really get yourself to the next phase. I mean, sounds crazy when you talk about it. Oh, you need to build an indoor, private indoor skate park. Okay. Well, sure. But like how many hockey players at their top yeah. level are renting the ice for themselves? and two other people and they're out training all summer long. I mean, where I'm in Perry Sound, there's like a bunch of guys that have their cottages on Lake Muskoka and they rent out that there's one ice rink and they're always there. Their kids are there. And it's like, yeah, because it's private practice that you need away from the media, away from those other kids. You know, you go, these guys are, these guys are pros, right? So like they have a following, they show up at a private, at a public skate park to work on that practice. And there's like kids that are this public place, you know, there's mm-hmm. scooter kids, there's parents, everyone's coming over to the, Oh, can we get a photo? Can we do this? And they need access to private facilities that are the best in the world. So yeah, it's a, it's a really hard thing, especially the West coast of Canada. I mean, the real estate's the way it is. Um, the economy is the way it is. We do everything we can to try to get ourselves to the next level. Right now we're, we've got a space of land that we've been allowed to use for about five years. And we've got a, someone donated us a tent. And we're working to like flatten the place so we can set up a sure. tent so we can actually put a little indoor park and a little indoor facility. And then, I mean, we're, we're a few thousand dollars short of being able to like break the ground because we just were strapped so thin on what we can apply to it. So, I mean, yeah, we're the skaters, the skaters all have to pay for their own way to get to these competitions. And they're like looking at their personal sponsors and it's a big driving force where they look at the other countries and the other countries they are like, their trips are paid for They're, you know, they have a, they have more staff on hand with them and they're, they're does that sure. little bit of stress is taken off of them. Whereas these guys are doing it, they have to work other jobs or apply their sponsor dollars to this trip. And, you know, at some level, that is a very important thing because they're invested in it themselves, but being able to support that a little more would be an incredible, incredible asset to these guys to take it off their hands. Yeah. Well, if there's anyone listening, I mean, and, and, myself included. I mean, I grew up skateboarding and it's, uh, it's more than just, you know, something to do. It's, 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 you, you form, you learn a lot. There's a lot of behaviors. I know that I still, you know, just even the repetition of trying to land a trick and like that passion and, and how many times you try to do the same thing until you nail it. There's just, there's a lot of benefit outside of probably what, what many would see as, you know, just performing or in competition and whatnot. It's, these are full groups of people at, ages typically uh that are pretty formative right so you know any support that we can we can offer uh, for the sport for the kids for the athletes i mean they know where to find you i'll put all the links in in the show notes yeah i just i mean if they're i mean i'll just do a calm little one we, we ran a fundraiser last year to help uh, the team get to the world championships um we're we're a we're a registered charity nonprofit, so any any donations that come to the organization can can go directly to the skaters themselves or definitely to, directly to projects and you can get a tax receipt for it. So mm. Really cool things. And and just these are, 
And like, it's not just the top skaters, it's the skaters coming up. And like one thing that's, you know, you've heard it so many times about what skaters are and like who they are and like the ability, the ability, you know, you're not a skateboarder until you, you know, just to, cause you can do that big trick. You're a skateboarder because you like tried your ass off and like work through the failure and the falls and the oh, bruises yeah. to get there. You know, I think I read it. I don't know if you've seen this quote or somewhere, but like, the reason why skateboarders are so connected to each other because everybody knows how hard it is yeah. because it's like any skateboarder that still skates is like, like you push through that ability to like get yourself off the ground and like it's an exclusive club because of how difficult it is and like that yeah. commitment to getting up again. Um, it's a, I mean, everything is, everything in life is hard, but skateboarding is just one of those ones where you connect over your ability to, to get back up again. And it's such an incredible, incredible sport. Couldn't agree with you more. And my uh, my shins will also give me good reminders every now and then <laughs> of that that phase of my life. So uh, I think great place to to wrap the conversation. Um, I want to thank you, Adam, for your time and and most importantly, your work with with these athletes and what you're doing for the sport and um, you know, the minds of of these athletes. It's it's so important. So keep going out there stay in touch and um until we have until the next conversation brother no thanks so much for having me hopefully i didn't ramble too much that was a lot of fun 